Hi, hello, and welcome. This is the Zonecast, where we interview emerging professionals, entrepreneurs, and academics. And uh, today we have with us on the show, uh, Lori uh, Nickel. She is the CEO of Second Harvest. Uh, hi, Lori, how are you? Welcome to the show. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome, and thank you for taking the time to be on the show. And I'm excited to chat with you about your background and what you do. Uh, can you share your professional and personal background? Sure. So I guess we'll start with my personal background because that led me to my professional career. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was, uh, I'm 50 now, so this was quite some time ago, um, but I was uh, low income. I was a single parent of three amazing young boys. I think at the time we're two, four, and six. And I was struggling with how to pay my bills, how to pay my rent, how to make sure my, my kids could eat. And, and it was a very difficult and scary, scary time. And what I was doing also, or during that time, was volunteering at the school nutrition program. So I was making sure that 365 students could be fed every day a healthy meal, and we don't have any kind of national child nutrition program in Canada, and so really it was entrepreneurial. It was engaging other parents, most of them were low-income moms like myself, to help prepare meals, to fundraise, to deliver, to shop, every kind of aspect of running a small restaurant, and made sure it was healthy with such a little amount of money. So I did that and was working two, three, and then at one point, four jobs just to make sure I could pay my bills and feed my kids. And I was asked to work for an organization called FoodShare and the Toronto Partners for Child Nutrition to implement community development practices in student nutrition programs because they're very grassroots and have to be run by the community. And that was really the start of my career and why it's appropriate to the career I have today is one of the first things I did was to go to uh, restaurants and retail stores and ask them if they had any extra surplus unsold food. And so that's the first time that I realized how much actual food that was available that was really just going into landfill. And I thought it was a lot back then. And now fast forward 20 years, or 25 or almost 30 years, um, it's just a drop in the bucket. We waste a huge amount of food in this country. So now I'm the CEO of Second Harvest, and that is my goal and mission is to run an environmental and social organization that ensures that we keep surplus food out of landfill, where it creates methane gas and is a direct contributor to the climate crisis, and use that food to support charities and nonprofits that are providing food to people that need it. So that's the short story. <laughs> mm -hmm. that's, um, that's interesting. Um, so can you talk about... Um, how exactly um, Second Harvest uh, helps uh, address the food, uh, food wastage problem. Uh, do you collect um, food from uh, retailers and organizations? Um, so if you can elaborate on that. Certainly. So we were looking at the whole cycle of food and the whole cycle of how do we manage this problem. And the first thing that we have to do really is measure what the problem is. So Second Harvest has been around for 36 years, and it was a small Toronto organization that was picking up from retail and restaurants and delivering it to charities in Toronto. Um, but that, I understood, really wasn't 
making the biggest dent that it could. And that was because we really didn't foundationally know how much food was being lost across the supply chain. So we did some world first research. It's called the Avoidable Crisis of Food Waste. And I would recommend everybody go check out the Second Harvest website and look it up because you will be just astonished. In Canada, we waste 58% of all the food produced for us. And that's outrageous. We need to make sure that that food gets to people, period. Rich or poor. We don't want that food in landfill. Um, and our Toronto organization, which is great, has a fleet in a warehouse, has expanded. Um, we did that in a couple of ways. We've expanded our fleet. Um, so we're driving across Ontario. We also created an online uh, platform and an app called the Second Harvest Food Rescue app, which is a digital connector of surplus food directly to charities or nonprofits that is being used right across this country to make sure that our partners, and we have many industry partners and our partners that are charity, and there are many of those as well, um, can really make that local connection. So if I'm so obese and I have a whole bunch of food, then it makes sense for the local Salvation Army to, to pick it up if I'm in Calgary versus, you know, somewhere that's larger, that needs larger amounts of food. So that's what we're doing across this country. And we're building out a third-party logistics. So ensuring that this great food, of which there is so much, not only gets across the country through our app, but also when we, we have huge volumes of protein and dairy and produce, we can fly it into northern and remote communities as well. So there's enough food for everybody and we really need to make sure that it gets to where it needs to go. So 58% uh, of the food um, being wasted, that's obviously a very high number. Um, mm -hmm. So how's that wastage happening? Is it happening because people are throwing away food or is it happening because at grocery stores, the food is getting expired? Uh, like, where is this wastage happening and how? Well, the wastage is happening right across the supply chain. So it's happening in your home. And I think uh, people that are listening would recognize that there's food waste happening in their home. Um, it's happening at retail. But to be fair, only a very small amount is happening at retail. It's really happening further up the supply chain. So at the pro processor or the producers, at the um, pro uh, manufacturer, it happens in transportation. Um, especially what we do is perishable food and healthy food. You know, this is all temperature controlled food. Uh, it, it really just happens every part across that supply chain. And you mentioned best before dates, and that is absolutely one of the biggest challenges in Canada, but also globally. This best before myth, there are only five foods that expire in Canada, five. Everything else is a best before date. Of the five foods that expire, Two of them are by prescription only. The other three are baby formula, um, insure, like not insure, but um, meal replacement drinks like insure, and uh, protein and other meal replacements like protein bars. And that is really just because the nutrients that are in those um, foodstuffs are the nutrients that the person needs to live. And so if you compromise the nutrients in it over the course of time, it gets less and less, then you could be compromising someone's health. Everything else, best before date, it is put on by the manufacturer. It is incredibly conservative. And we are just throwing away way too much food. And that's across the supply chain. Best before dates are put on very early on in the supply chain. And so 
it doesn't even go to retail if the best before date is, is close. So that's a that's one area that I think we all have a lot to do in this space of ensuring that, you know, check your food, use your common sense, use your senses. The old adage of when in doubt, throw it out, it's really done us a huge disservice and we have to stop thinking that way. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's great. So uh, in terms of um, uh, the food collection, can you talk about uh, your food collection process? Um, who, who are uh, the or, um, stakeholders providing you food? And, uh, and uh, uh, how do you go about collecting them? You mentioned, obviously, you have an app. Do you have like a whole logistics process to collect food from uh, various uh, locations? Exactly. So we have 3,400, I think over 3,400 in uh, businesses that are donating food through the app and through uh, our logistics um, systems. And our logistics systems in Ontario, uh, as I mentioned, we have a fleet of, I think, 13 trucks and a couple of vans right now and a tractor trailer, as well as a warehouse and distribution center. We have just purchased and are uh, retrofitting a new building in Southern Etobicoke that is a much larger facility so that we can collect and um, redistribute even more foods. So we do that in Toronto and the GTA to about 300 and some uh, charities and nonprofits. And then throughout the remainder of Canada, we're supporting over 4,000 food programs. And that could be anything from a senior center to a school, to a food bank, you name it. Anywhere that people are accessing food, there's more than enough food to feed everybody in Canada. We're going to try to make sure that you get it. And even still, we know like we're barely scratching the surface. The other research that we most recently completed was a mapping to understand how many charities and nonprofits across the country are actually using food in their program. Because often I think we think it's this very small core group of a certain type of organization. And what we learned was there are in fact 60,000, over 60,000 charities and nonprofits that are using food to support their communities. So the need is definitely there and the food is absolutely there. So we really are just that matchmaker for business to business of networking that food directly to a charity or nonprofit. That's, uh, that's great. And um, can you talk more about your app? Um, what are the features of your app? Um, is it, um, um, and how does it work? So it's an, it's an app, you just download it. And if you are a charity, then, well, both charities and industry, they go to their respective sides of the app and they fill out a bunch of information to make sure that they're compliant with our um, safety rules and regulations, which is critical for us. Uh, sign a terms and conditions. And then it's really simple. The, the business will upload the amount of food they have, what types of food they have, and a charity will determine if that's it. it and then it just goes set, gets sent out, right? So texts are going out in a localized area and a charity will claim it and say, that's for me and essentially just go pick it up. So it's really simple. And on top of the, the great food exchange, it builds community. And it provides great data. So by distributing this food, you recognize, you understand how much money that you saved, how many GHGs have not gone into the atmosphere because you've left with that food, how many meals have been provided. 
So you're also outside of the, the data of this is the type of food, this is the category of food. So there's, there's a ton of really cool things that are happening with, within the, um, the system, which I would recommend anybody, if you're a food business or you're a charity or a nonprofit, go to the Second Harvest website and, or go to Google Play or, or iTunes and download the app because it's, it's pretty exceptional. And I would say like one of the best pieces of this is because the food is there and we do everything for free, this allows a charity or a nonprofit to actually use that money that they would have spent on food and use it to support their core programming. So if that means they need a social worker, then they can access a social worker. They can hire a social worker. They need sporting equipment, then they can buy the sporting equipment rather than buying the food. And aggregately, it works out to about $150,000 of food per organization at no cost a year. Mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's great. Um, in terms of like um, distributing the foods, once you've collected the food, uh, how do you uh, distribute it uh, to the people who need it? Um, and and if, if you can talk more about the specific communities uh, which you're helping uh, in various locations and, and how, how does the distribution take place? So it's, it's an opt-in system. So every community across Canada, we all support, the food exists. And it really depends on where you are in the country. So if you're in the GTA, we have a fleet, as I mentioned, that will come and drop off the food for you. Um, but we also have food that's going up to Sioux Lookout or, or like further areas that are north. And then they're, we're getting flights and flying it into places. Uh, we have a pickup program where um, organizations actually go to our warehouse and pick it up themselves. And then in areas where we do not have an infrastructure in place, we work with, if they're small yields, so we're partners with Sobeys or Starbucks, Loblaws, for example, then the charity or nonprofit will directly pick it up. Um, if, they're, if it's larger food, then we work with third-party logistics uh, support that will deliver food to larger food hubs. And then those food hubs will, will uh, use their own infrastructure to deliver food directly to charities and nonprofits that need it. But really, is it's very different depending on where you are. Mm -hmm. So, uh, how much uh, how much food uh, are you able to collect and distribute on an annual basis? Uh, do so, you have uh, any data? Yeah, we have all kinds of data. In fact, Second Harvest has a data analytics department because we believe strongly that it is the data and collaboration that's going to solve this problem. So last year we collected and we distributed about 20 million pounds of food. And this year our goal is 31 million pounds of food. Wow, this is, uh, this is pretty amazing. And um, do you know the number of uh, people who received uh, the food or, uh, or the number of families that benefited uh, from a second harvest? I do. I cannot remember off the top of my head right now. I know it's in over 2,700 charities and nonprofits. I believe the number is close to a million individuals, unique individuals. Um, but I can get that number to you. But I, I believe it's around a million people last year. Wow, that's, that's uh, pretty amazing. And are you able to uh, mention the names of any businesses or organizations which are big uh, donors? Um, like any big uh, retail chains or, or restaurants, which you know 
um, are uh, actively supporting your program? Yeah, uh, as mentioned, we have Starbucks, we have Sobeys. Well, it's the Empire Company, so it's all the brands, including Sobeys. And uh, Loblaws is a partner of ours um, and their brands, uh, their umbrella brands. Uh, there's honestly, there's 3,400 different unique businesses, so I don't know them all. Um, but A&W would be another one. Uh, larger food manufacturers, there's a whole lot of them. Farms, independent farms. So those are those are some of the highlights. And we're, and we're expanding every day. More businesses are coming on every day. Mm -hmm. um, so do you also organize like um, events um, and fundraising initiatives to bring the community together? and also um, gather um, financial uh, resources to, to further uh, grow the program. Uh, I see on the website you have like a for, uh, Toronto Women's 416 Run Challenge. So if you can talk more about your uh, events, uh, events and campaigns. Sure, so we, we haven't actually had events in a couple of years. There's a couple of, there's some third party events, which is fantastic. When, organizations support us by hosting events. Our biggest one was called Toronto Taste, and that is a huge, very high-end, um, with some of Canada's top chefs uh, making really great uh, small amounts of food. Uh, tickets, I think, were about $350, and it raised a million dollars for us. But with COVID, we couldn't have the events anymore, and we can't have events right now. While we're, while we're in the midst of COVID because we want to make sure everybody is safe. So we run a number of campaigns. There was the Feeding the Need campaign that um, we just finished, and that was a, a really fantastic campaign. Um, we do all different kinds of fundraising. Individuals have been fantastic and provided us funding, foundations. We have a lot of corporate partnerships. Um, we're, we have a pretty diverse fundraising portfolio, which has been incredible but i honestly the covid relief fund and individuals supporting us during covid has been incredible like i think canada really understands that the need is great and we are doing the best we can to support people with the food that they need to be healthy um that's uh, that's pretty amazing um i'm guessing i'm guessing now that you're going through a particularly challenging economic times that there must be more demand um, for for uh, such programs like Second Harvest, uh, do you do you receive more inquiries and requests for uh, donations? Uh, constantly, yeah. Um, and it, again, it really does depend on the type of support we're providing. So it's the if you're using the Food Rescue app, then you know it's opt in. Anybody can use any business can use it, and charity can use it, and they'll have to figure out the transportation sometimes. So that's great um, with our GTA network and our fleet. I know we have a waiting list of organizations that would like us to deliver food directly to their charity. And so, you know, we do the best we can to accommodate, but there's still a pretty significant waiting list. Um, so, yeah, the need is increasing exponentially, and I don't think it's going to get better anytime soon. There's going to be even after in a post-COVID world, there's still going to be ramifications. and so. We're going to do the best we can to get as much food out as we can. Do you receive any uh, support from the government? Yes, we have. Um, 
We have received funding through the Food Security Initiative. And well, one of the first things that we did in uh, as a result of COVID is Second Harvest created the Food Rescue Canadian Alliance. And that was with representation from industry, charity, government, Indigenous communities, so that we could really map out where the big needs were going to be as a result of COVID, but also where the big surpluses were going to be. And because food service closed down, the big surpluses were foods like lobster and salmon and eggs, and things we typically buy in restaurants. And the government of Canada actually did um, create the Surplus Food Rescue Program, which I think was a great program, which allowed us to purchase that surplus food, process it, and transport it to where it needed to be. And I think this is a great legacy program in terms of, I mean, it was one program, it's one, it's done. But I, I would like to see this program be a legacy program because of the amount of surplus food that exists in Canada, regardless of COVID, um, so that we can address that need as an environmental imperative and a social imperative. And an economic imperative, right? Like we really want to make sure that our producers are being paid for the food that they've and the sales that they've lost as a result of COVID. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um... Do you have any specific milestones you plan to achieve in the next uh, uh, 12 to 24 months? Well, we've expanded across Canada. We had a three-year rollout we had anticipated, but because of COVID, we had to do it in three weeks. And so we we're building out that infrastructure. Um, we've got a building that we are just retrofitting and we, that, that will be completed within the next 12 months. Our goals are always audacious because we know the amount of food that is out there. So we, our, our goal this year is 31 million pounds. Next year, it'll probably be 50. So there's always more to do. That's just a fact. Yeah. Um, can you share a fun fact about yourself? A fun fact? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm fun and that's a fact. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you have any interesting <laughs> hobbies any interest uh, I, any, uh, unique interests i uh i would love to say i have so many but i've been so focused on second harvest and you know trying to save the world that i've been pretty preoccupied i do have a really cool greyhound and the fun fact about greyhounds in case anybody doesn't know a greyhound dog they're racers they sleep 23 out of 24 hours a day no so, way they're awesome dogs to have. <laughs> yeah, they're lazy. They do not like moving. <laughs> <laughs> but they're also athletic, eh? Like they, they run? They run. Well, yeah, ours is a rescue from the racetracks. And uh, and they do run, and they run incredibly fast. Uh, but they do a three-minute run, and it takes them like a week to recover from it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's, that's uh, interesting. Well, <laughs> well uh, uh, Lori, it has been a nice uh, speaking with you and learning about yourself and your, and your background and your greyhound. So thank you so much <laughs> for uh, taking the time to be on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. Um, you want to share your website if uh, people want to uh, visit and learn more? Absolutely. Go to secondharvest.ca. And on social media, look for Lori Nickel. I am on LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, as is Second Harvest. So follow us. We're doing lots of fun stuff. All right. And you'll All like right. it. <laughs> Perfect. 
Uh, listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode and you get a chance to learn from Lori about the great work that uh, Second Harvest is doing to provide food to uh, people in need. And as Lori mentioned, you can uh, visit the website and learn more. And thank you so much for listening to Zonecast and stay tuned for more episodes.